As you know, you cannot fit you in around everything else. Instead, I have my students schedule their life around their Pilates. I want to give you a free 30-minute Pilates workout. Go to onlinepilatesclasses.com slash beitpod. Again, onlinepilatesclasses.com slash b-e-i-t-p-o-d. And let me help you make time for you. At OPC, our 30-minute workouts help you do life better. What you believe matters, but what you do about what you believe matters even more. So that's why it matters to be it till you see it. Because it's not enough to just, whether it's health, believe that you can be healed, but take no steps, speak nothing out, do no actions, tell no one. It's not enough to, for me with my business, to, to believe that I could be so much more than I was. I could help so many more people than I was. I could work at such a greater level than I was. I had to step towards it and become that in order for, like I had, it wasn't enough to believe it. I had to do something about what I believed. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. Hey, be it babes. I have one of the most amazing interviews for you to listen to, and it's got two parts to it. So there's going to be some business, be it till you see it stuff in here. And then there's going to be some health, be it till you see it stuff in here. And I really do hope you listen to the whole thing. Um, First of all, Johanna is going to become one of your besties for sure. Um, So Johanna White is our guest today. I met her through a mastermind that we are in, and I fell in love with her way of describing how she does her, what her business is and how she does her life with that. And then when I heard about what she did in her health for her Be It Till You See It story, I was like, oh my God, I have to have you on. We're going to have enough time. So uh, we did get it all in, um, but I'm going to have to have her back. And Johanna and I want to know how this affects you, what your takeaways are. So please let us know. Um, Definitely send a screenshot to your friend, of course, or just text it to a friend. But um, if you can tell Johanna and I how this affected you, it would not only make our day, but it would let us know that that stories like this help you. And if that is what helps you, then I want to have more stories like this. So here is Johanna White. All right, be it babes. I am really excited because when I met this woman, first of all, her accessories were just, you know, top notch. And you know how I am when it comes to jewelry and accessories and all the things. And then of course she said all the things that I truly believe in when it comes to your brand and presenting yourself in the world. And so um, I couldn't think of a better guest to have you hear about being it till you see it than Johanna White, who is just uh, gorgeous inside and out. And she has not only ways to talk about how she does it in her business, but also how she did it in her life. And I think we're going to have a fun conversation going back. So Johanna, will you tell everyone who you are and what you're rocking at? Absolutely. My name is Johanna White, and I am the best in the world at helping people who are really amazing at what they do finally look as good as they are through Mm -hmm. high impact branding and design so that they can magnetize their dream clients and opportunities and finally be as delightfully expensive as they deserve to be. 
<laughs> which is something I, I love that you say. I love uh, uh, Brad and I have like quoted you a few times on it's delightfully <laughs> expensive, like as our friend Johanna would say. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering though, like, first of all, can we all just like, did everyone just catch what she said? I'm the best at this in the world. Like I just like, there was such, like, it just flew off your tongue. Like no big, like, it's just, it's so awesome. And some, so many people don't even say that they're like, Oh, I do this. And it's like, well, you, are you the best? Are you the number one? Are you the only one where you are? Like, I love how you, you put that uh, in there. Have you always been doing this role? Like what, what got you into doing this? Uh, what was the path there? Well, I have been on a winding road uh, that has had a lot of moments of being it till I see it, but I have been doing first graphic design and then expanding into branding and big picture branding, uh, clarifying your message, creating badass high impact visuals, and then building custom websites that turn visitors into customers for the last nine to 10 years really mm -hmm. is when I stepped off on that journey. Before that, it was a little bit of everything. Like I just made my way through high school, barely surviving, no clue what I want to do, have a lot of hobbies, but not sure which one to turn into a career. I tried to go to college for training horses because I'd loved and ridden my entire life. But then when I went to school for it and turned it into a career, it totally burned me out and I hated it. And I came home like, well, I just totally struck out, wasted time, wasted money. I'm going to go bury myself in a small cave of shame and depression for about three years. And I uh, spent that three years working floor covering, installing tile. I can put in a mean kitchen backsplash. Oh my um, God. <laughs> what a journey. You're like, I'm going to like train horses. And then first of all, the fact that that was a burnout career, who would have thought like everyone's like, I want to work with the animals. <laughs> and then, and now you can like tile. <laughs> <laughs> That's a skill set so many people would want to have. It is. But at that time, I did not know how to brand position myself. So I was just a commodity in, mm. in any job that I did and uh, didn't pay well. And I had to get up at 5 a.m. and it was freezing cold and would crack my hands. And I played violin and rode horses and did a lot of things with my hands. It was super painful. And uh, it took, though, that pain to finally nudge me out of my self-pity and my fear of failing again. And I went back to college a second time when I felt way too old for it. I wasn't that old, but I was like 21. I know going back. Like, oh my God, I'm going back when people are graduating. Gosh, I'm <laughs> such a failure. <laughs> I, but I, I say that like tongue in cheek because like, I think I remember switching my degree, like my, whatever my degree was going to be in, I guess your major, whatever it's called, it's been so long since I'm in college. <laughs> and I like, could not like for the, besides the money, like I like absolutely did not want to be graduating at 23. <laughs> I know. I know. I was like, I'll be so old and I'm hanging out with these 17 year olds and oh, well, well, like looking back, I just laughed. And the fact that it took me even three years to work up the courage to go back because I didn't want to be three years older and just graduating. Yeah. But that time was passing anyway. And so now it was even three years later. And that's so second time, though, I went back to school for graphic design, got really lucky to have a couple of professors who really instilled in me the love of all design and also really taught me about having a reason 
for what you do. Like great design should have a reason. Mm -hmm. And that gives it a powerful story and that helps it communicate a message. And it lessens in making the mundane extraordinary, which those stuck with me a lot. Like for my clients, even to this day, I'll make these kick-ass luxury business cards, which is something that most people think is either not important in this digital age, nobody cares, or business cards are something that people throw away. You have the best business card. I still have yours. It's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But that's because I wanted to disrupt something that was old school, something that was considered non-important. And in a digital world, give someone something that you put it in their hand and they go, oh my God. And they pause what they're doing and they stop and they pet it and they look, it's got gold edges and it's so thick and it feels like suede. And what is this? It's like literally dripping gold. <laughs> and, and and I just, that was one of my first actual experiments in being it till I see it was I got tired of telling people I could do premium branding for mm-hmm. them and decided it was time to just do it for myself Yeah, and show them it was possible. So, so I love this because you're, you're trying, you're basically going out saying, I do premium branding, I do premium branding. And people are like, okay, I'm looking at your stuff and not that it, <laughs> no, there's no way you could look like anybody else's stuff, but probably like it look like another branding person's site. <laughs> and you know, like, <laughs> and so then you're like, okay, let me, let me do something that stands out a little bit and then looks like the brand I want to be when my brand has been more established. So you took the steps there. So some people might say this like fake it until you make it, but I think it's really important. You already were good at what you did. You already were wanting to work with these clients and and had to work with clients in that way. You're just actually making a bigger statement to show that like, this is the route that I'm going. And this is the way I want to be perceived in the world. Yeah. So let's hop back one step so that we didn't leave them hanging in the past. Um, and we'll go back to the past because there's a very important kick in the pants, be it till you see it moment that happened between college and today, which was a brain tumor that turned my world upside down and ended up being the catalyst for me, not graduating and then going to get an agency job, but instead graduating, quitting my like teeny tiny agency design job and starting Design by Joe, Mm. um, which has brought us here. But, But yes, in my business, when I decided that I was tired of having to explain why I was different than everyone else or what I could do or why it was like I started to realize I was way undercharging for services and I got tired of explaining why it was worth it and what made it different and all of these things. I suddenly realized that it wasn't enough to just know that I was worth more and to be telling people that I was worth more. I had to show up as worth it in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I went all literal, be it till you see it, which I call brand positioning (laughs) in the branding world. (laughs) And I said, uh, what can I do to my website to make it a premium experience just to be on it? What can I do to my photos to make them feel like they're oozing luxury branding from their soul? And what can I do to myself as the owner of this business to live as that person today. And so I did a couple of things that are super practical and a couple of things that are super silly or seem super silly. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I think there's, that's an equal balance. (laughs) Yeah. So 
I actually, I started Designed by Joe in 2014, right after the brain tumor diagnosis. But for the first like five years of it, I just ran it like every other design business, very middle of the road, very much a commodity, looked like everyone else and acted like everyone else too. Like you want a a brand? Cool. Tell me what it should look like and what you want on it and your favorite colors and I'll make it for you. So I could make it really great, but not greater enough for it to be something that would change their life. What I discovered was what they really needed was someone who could walk them through the whole process, help them with research, help them know what they should build their brand around, help them mine the content and the diamonds from their story, craft it into a message, turn it, then that story into a picture that really is worth a thousand words, and then tell that story and use those images to create a website that's an experience that walks your your ideal audience through a journey. I think like, because I because I have done like branding experiences and I and for the people who are listening like I'm not doing bad branding don't worry we're gonna get to the brain tumor in a moment and that's gonna be interesting <laughs> for sure but um we had Hillary Hartling on who's like even if you're you're a brand whether you have a business or not like you as a person are a brand so like pay attention to this but it's for whatever business you're in you could either do it the way that everyone does it and then just like try to figure out how to stand out amongst the rest. Or you can actually go, how can I do it differently than everyone is doing it so that people have an experience with me that makes me stand out as the person I say I'm better than, you know? So I think like Mm -hmm. what's cool is that so many people that you did is so cool because so many people are like, oh, well, everybody has like, for example, well, everyone has packages, so I'm not going to do this thing over here because you know what I mean? Like you're like, well, where I live, everyone's used to like unlimited memberships and you're like. Yeah. So everyone's used to just hearing someone go, what are your colors? What are your, <laughs> like, what is this? And I'm like, how do I help you tell this story? So I think it's scary to be different, but like, it makes the most sense if you want to have the life you want to have to be different than what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And you will get more no's at first. Mm. Uh, you will get better yeses, but you will get more no's. Mm. And those no's leave room for the more and more ideal customers, clients, audience, the more leveling up of who you're working with. So my like, be it till you see it revelation was I was running around telling everybody I'm different and it wasn't working. I needed to do something that anytime they landed on some part of my brand, it felt premium and luxury. And so I went out and this was back when I was still barely paying the bills. Like I looked like a commodity and I got paid like commodity. <laughs> and I said, if I'm going to show up as luxury, then here's what that Johanna looks like, acts like, and how she dresses. And so I went out and I bought this Hermes bracelet that was like a 10th of my annual salary. <laughs> and, <Yep. laughs> and I bought these Louboutin heels and I um, brought in my photographer and had gotten actually I had those really cool business cards first made for this kind of launch like I knew I wanted to show up different and then I planned a photo shoot around that card I got these custom-made nails with diamonds on them from this woman in LA and we shot like I I found inspiration from um luxury handbags and various things and how I wanted the lighting and we shot these photos flung gold paint around the studio 
did all this. I took three months off from taking any client work. I treated myself like my own client. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not going to be a victim of my circumstances anymore or just accepting like what comes to me or what has been. I'm going to pause. I'm going to choose who I want to be and step into that in these three months. So I redid my website with the new photos and I started like wearing the bracelet and wearing the shoes for interactions with people and just saying, what is one way that I can be this person today mm. and feel like her now? And I'm not advising people to go on a spending spree, fill up a bunch of credit cards <laughs> and like fit in with the Joneses. That wasn't it at all. I right. could have rented the bracelet. I yeah. could have borrowed it from a friend, but I needed to believe that I was going to become that person very soon and that the price was going to be irrelevant. So for my mindset, I needed to do that thing. I, you did. And like, also, like, I think it depends on like what it is that you're trying to be until you see it, you know, like yours yes. was like, that yes. was particular and it, and it made sense. And also like, we've all seen the people take pictures in front of like a random G wagon in a parking lot and act like it's theirs. And you're like, no, no, these are my things. And so I bought them. So they're my things. And it's like completely in alignment. But I think like you could have probably, there's a couple clients you probably got that maybe you could have gotten had you not done this branding. Like there's just, it, there's every once in a while, like some unicorn client could like land in your lap, <laughs> but then you would have been waiting to make some money from some clients to then like prove yourself to be this thing instead of like what you did was like, no, I am this thing. I'm going to be it right now. So what do I have to do to make sure that everything, every aspect of what you experience with me makes you realize that I am that person now? And I think that takes massive guts, first of all. <laughs> I think being until you say it always does, but that takes massive guts. And also to like pause your work. So many people are trying to, they have this like be it till you see it idea over here that they compartmentalize. And then the 90% of the time, they're just like them. They're just doing the other thing that they're hoping to get rid of someday. And it's like, you actually you can't be two people. You're going to go crazy. You have to go all in on the one thing. And so that's a really, yeah. that's really cool that you're able to do that. You got to commit, but the rewards are great. The day after I launched my new website, which you very kindly said, there's no way it was terrible before, but it just literally looked like every other design portfolio. And I would cringingly send people to it and say, look at my work. Don't look at the website. Like, I know I'm telling you I can do a good website for you. Don't look at my website. Just look at my work. <laughs> so if you ever feel embarrassed to send someone to your website, whether you're a designer or any other industry, you may not realize that that is important, but you are communicating with less confidence when you do that. Like you're going to show up as less proud of who you are because you know they're about to experience something that feels off based on what you are. So like for me, leveling up my website, leveled up my confidence as well. Mm -hmm. I was proud to send people. And the day after I launched it, I was in a coffee shop working away. And some guy came up randomly asked if he could borrow my power cable because he had a Mac also and it was fine. I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. He returns the cable in 30 minutes. He asks what I do. I give him my card and he just goes, wait here. And he runs back to his computer. He Googles me, apparently, like looks it up, finds my website, comes running back over and he goes, oh my God, like your brand stopped me in, in my tracks. Clearly, you know branding, you know luxury, and I need you to work for me. I need you to do some work on a project I'm on. Oh, by the way, I work for Google. Oh my <laughs> God. 
That's insane. That is insane. So I can guarantee that had it been three months prior and I had given him my old business card, which was like a little cool, but not that much. He would have probably tucked it in his wallet, thanked me for letting me borrow the power cable, walked back to his seat. But he said, you get it. I need you right now. And stuff like that just started happening. I had people emailing me. They'd hear me on a podcast and then they'd check out my website and I'd get this long email saying, I need branding and it has to be you because I saw the Louboutins on your website and the way you did this and like, you get me. Yeah, yeah. And it was me putting myself into the world of my ideal client. And yes, I was getting customers before because I was good at what I did, but I was spending way too much time working on projects that weren't making that big of an impact because those people weren't aligned with what I could bring them. Mm-hmm. And when when I made this shift, I was able to go from charging like $1,500 for a logo to $10,000 to $50,000 for a brand package to $150,000 for brands and, and websites. And like that quantum leaping in the types of clients I was able to work with and the types of service I was able to provide happened in the space of just a, a few months and then a few years, like yeah. so fast. Well, cause you're also, I mean, getting the referrals from the people at the level that you were trying to get at, at the first place. So, and you just like really stop people in your tracks. I think I, as you're saying this, I was thinking back, like when I first became a Pilates instructor, you know, I was a teacher on, on the West side of LA and I really couldn't afford a bunch of Lululemon items, but I knew that like all the clients that I'd be asking to pay me, that's what they'd be wearing. And I'm trying to get them to invest in somebody that they don't know that, you know, there's like, I'm brand new teacher. So there's no testimonials, there's no referrals, there's no anything. So how can I make them feel safe and seen as as me me as their teacher? So guess what? I budgeted (laughs) everything out to where I could afford a new uh, um, Lululemon outfit every paycheck, which is like freaking crazy. But I was like, I'm going to do this for a couple of months so that I have enough <laughs> that I can mix and match so that I can like be this person that they, they see it at their level. Because mm-hmm. these are people who I don't, I'm not a mom, so I don't have that to relate to them, but uh, they are eating at these restaurants. They're, this is what they want to talk about. These are the restaurants they eat at. This is the things that they drive. This is the places that they go. I have to, it's, I have to cross over in some way so that they feel like I get them. And so I had to make that investment. And then I became the teacher who has all these clients on the West side who could afford <laughs> Lululemon or whatever I want or whatever <laughs> I wanted. But th- that was like how I had to do it so that people mm-hmm. could stop me and go, where did you get that sweatshirt? While I was <laughs> out in the area where I wanted the clients. <laughs> So I can start the conversation. So I, I fully resonate with the story. I think there's different ways people can be it. I know um, we'll come back to all of these things with your business, but I, I do have to say that I'm sure the listeners are like, okay, so tell us about, are you okay with your brain tumor? Like what happened? What the heck happened? What's you going on? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So let's rewind the story a little bit to really the first time that I learned to be it till I see it. And, and it was the moment that totally changed my life and the reason I'm still here today. So um, I told you, went back to school, finally at at the ripe old age of 23 or 24, graduated for the second time. And I was like, this is it. It's finally onward and upward. I'm going to move out of my parents' basement. 
finally, and I'm going to go find a job. It's a massive agency in New York instead of this small one here. And I was, I was working at a design agency at the time, but it was very small. Morale was super low. It was really like the sky is always falling and you never knew when you were going to get fired. And there was really no ladder to climb. And so stressful, so stressful, but I was convinced myself. I was just happy to have a job in design. And so I had worked my way through school at that job. And, but I graduate, it's onward and upward. And then two weeks later, I was woke up in the middle of the night with a skull pounding migraine, which I'd never really had a migraine in my life before. Um, the, and the migraine lasted for four days. Oh my gosh. And it was so intense. I had to sleep in a closet because even a little pinprick of light would make me vomit. And, but I just convinced myself that it was too much time in front of screens or some logical explanation for why my head is killing me. But when the migraine finally went away, what was left in its place was sudden partial paralysis down my left side. Oh my God, that's so scary. You're so young. Yeah. I, was, I was very scared. And um, like I'd kind of dealt with low-grade anxiety for most of my childhood to begin with. So you dump this in there and I'm panicking. Yeah. And it made muscles in my neck atrophy. I couldn't raise my arm very high on the left side. I had, I couldn't speak because the vocal cords were paralyzed. And the most <laughs> frustrating symptom probably of all was food would not go down my throat. It came out my nose instead when I would try to swallow. And so we very quickly realized something major is wrong and started going pursuant to an innocent throat who said these are really weird symptoms sent you to a neurologist who then did CAT scans and MRIs. And I was, it probably took a week or two to dive through all of that. And then I was at work, working second shift, still trying to deny that there's anything really wrong with me. And I get a call from the doctor and he says, we found a mass. And I immediately start asking, well, what does that mean? Am I going to die? What's happening? Tell me more. And he's like, we don't really know. Tumors oh. are kind of like, <laughs> That's right? Like, no, what? We don't know. You're the brain doctor. You don't know. You're the doctor. <laughs> if the brain surgeon doesn't know, who knows? But that's when I found out that at least certain types of tumors are as unique as snowflakes. And each one has different things about it. And so they don't know. Plus, doctors are often you know, they don't want to tell you something and then have it be wrong. So of course, over the phone, he's not going to tell me, but while well, you could you be know, like driving or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he did make sure I was not driving and while I was sitting down, but, uh, so my life came crashing down around me and I went home, told my family prepared for whatever's going to happen next, prepared to lick my wounds, prepared to tell everybody I have this thing prepared for this. And, but the next morning, thankfully, a really good friend of our family's showed up on our porch. My dad had called him and said like, hey doc, this is what's happening. And he was a chiropractor. He canceled all of his patients for the day. He showed up on my porch, gave me an iPad mini loaded with every Bible verse he had found on healing. Hmm. And he said, this is tools for the battle and we're gonna fight. Now, grab your parents, 
we're going for a walk, we're going to talk. And before I had a chance to go tell my sob story and become this like girl with a brain tumor, I need help. He, he jumped in and said some things that I did not want to hear, but ended up being the most helpful things that I could have heard at the time, which was Johanna, you have said your whole life that you believe in God and you believe in healing, but you're not talking like it right now and you're not acting like it. So Mm. you get to choose how this story goes. And here at the beginning, before you start saying and repeating what the doctor said, is your chance to change your story and say it differently. And so he, he challenged me. And of course I had all the like, well, yeah, I believe in healing, but I've known these people and they believed in it too. And, and they died. And I saw this person pray over this for forever and they never got healed. And he said, stop looking at anyone else. Their story is not your story. You don't know what's happening in their mind. You don't know anything. And it does you no good to focus on that. All you need to focus on is what you claim to believe, which is the Bible. And every verse in here that talks about healing says he heals all who ask. No exception. That's Mm -hmm. what you need to focus on. And so I tried, failed, tried, failed. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing that because it's like, it's not, it's like, it's one thing to go, yep. And then, and then you can say it and there's going to be some dissonance some days. Cause like when you're tired, it's really hard <laughs> to tell yourself motivating things. <laughs> yeah. And, and when your body is not doing what you want it to, and you've always been a really strong, really fit, healthy person. And all of a sudden you've got pounding headaches and you can't work out and you can't swallow and nothing seems to be helping. It's really hard to keep saying, I am healed. I will be healed. I believe that I will be healed. But I accepted his challenge to the best of my ability. And I would play verses on healing while I slept and just let it be in there. Mm. When I would be in so much pain that I'd wake up, I would just start pacing and speaking them out. Mm. And I was still terrified, of course, because it ended up being like a two-year journey from neurosurgeon to neurosurgeon each doing more MRIs, each saying the results are inconclusive, brain biopsy, we stuck a needle in your skull, we still don't know, the results are inconclusive. And so everything was so uncertain. Yeah. And I wanted certainty, even if it was certainty that I was going to die in six months, at some moments that felt like a better thing than the results are inconclusive. Right. Well, because it's like, am I dying tomorrow? Do I have six (laughs) months at least? Like, what do I, (laughs) what's going on? And, and, and I also, my brain is like, so how are you eating food though? Like, sorry, I'm stuck <laughs> yeah. on the not swallowing. <laughs> no. So, so what happened was I accepted my friend's challenge to my faith very quickly. And I started standing on every verse I could. And if I couldn't speak, I'd call my boyfriend at the time or my parents and they would speak them over me. And within weeks to a month, like I didn't really eat for about a month and I just went down to skeletal. Yeah, But I would try, I'd try to like sip smoothies or little tiny things and get a little bit down before it would come out my nose. But that was the symptom I tackled first. And I just started like speaking directly at it and my symptoms started to get better. And even the doctors had said like a lot of this now is nerve damage and it'll be permanent. And 
even if we are able to remove the tumor, these symptoms will still remain. And I said, no, they won't. Because it says that if I live by the flesh, I will die. But if I, by the spirit, put to death the misdeeds of the flesh, which a tumor is totally a misdeed, my body was not meant to have this, then I will live. And I just kept saying that. And my symptoms started getting better and better and better. And then I went to my first like follow-up MRI. And my symptoms are doing so much better that I'm expecting that they'll say it's gone, smaller, tumor smaller, <laughs> gone. Yes, exactly. So my faith has grown as the symptoms have started to fade. And because I've been being it and finally I'm starting to see it. And then they do that, the scan and they come back, they say, well, it's the same or maybe it's bigger. We're not really sure. We use a different machine. It's still there. And in fact, here's probably the next like five symptoms you're going to experience. I mean, you're going to vision in your right eye and numbness in your face and it's going to push your jaw out and all of this stuff. And I went into that appointment full of hope and faith and I left completely crushed because yeah. now here was evidence that what I was believing wasn't working, mm. at least what I thought, like evidence on a piece. What you were fold. judging was working, like what would be working, even though like mm -hmm. other things were getting better, like you wanted that yep. to be the marker, even though like it probably wasn't the real marker that we should be painting. But yeah, I get you because I'd be like, right. huh. <laughs> I wanted certainty. I wanted proof. I wanted to not sound like a crazy person saying I'm healed, but there's an MRI over here somewhere saying I'm not. Mm -hmm. So I wanted all of those things. And I went into that appointment like this high and left down low, cried all the way home, woke up the next morning with all of my symptoms back, plus some new ones. <gasps> no. And that is when I realized the insane power of our minds. Yeah. Because I knew that like, okay, sure, maybe there's still some healing to go, but there's no way that it all comes back overnight, reverses just because I found out, yeah. but it did. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean, that was awful feeling, but also kind of hopeful because yeah. I was like, wait a second, I have so much more power yeah. over this situation than I think I do. And I went back at it full bore, like, well, I'd be working, I'd be playing sermons in my ears, headphones, just in the background, because I knew that, um, that fear, extreme anxiety was doubling the symptoms or making them worse because I'd go from like partially collapsed throat to fully choking on the bathroom floor when mm. I would get anxious and think about it. The more I'd think about the tumor, the more that spot on my head would hurt. Mm. The more I'd think about it, the more I'd like symptoms would start to show up again and the panic would accelerate it. And I said, so after round two, I was like, okay, I don't know yet for sure that I can tackle this tumor, but I know I can do something about the fear. And clearly the fear is having a big, nasty impact on my outcome. So I'm going to do everything I can to drown out the fear, which is like, it doesn't matter if it's a health issue or a business thing, or your bank account isn't showing up like you want it to. That fear, as long as you're still focusing on it, is holding back the healing and it's yeah. holding back the outcome and it's holding back the physical like appearance of what you're going for. Which is what fear does, no matter if it's your health or anything like fear just holds us back, paralyzes and almost moves us backwards. 
It's that it's it's that powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, well, I'm going to tackle the fear first. If yeah. I can't tackle the tumor. And at first I tried to just tell myself not to be afraid. Like, Johanna, stop. Yeah, yeah. You can imagine that worked real well. Yeah. It's like telling <laughs> someone to calm down when they're anxious. <laughs> It's like like that just actually like ignites it even more, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't just stop thinking about it. So I had to drown it out. So it became eight hours a day of listening to sermons, listening to Bible verses, reading everything I could on healing. I didn't care who said it or what it was. I just did it. And, and as I did that, the fear started to fade Mm -hmm. and the healing returned rapidly. Like the symptoms gone again. And the fear faded beyond what it had ever been in my entire life. Like I had been fairly anxious as a child, as I mentioned, for no good, no reason, just like lived in low-grade anxiety. Even that faded. Mm. I Because I um, dug into what am I actually afraid of? Yeah. I forced myself to sit down and ask myself, am I afraid of dying? Well, no, when I think about it, there have been many days in all of this pain I actually wished for death. I'm not afraid of dying. I I believe in God and I know where I'm going to go when I die. And I'm not actually afraid of dying. But what I am afraid of is living with a lower quality of life. Yeah. With with going from being fit, healthy and active to maybe being in a wheelchair or on a feeding tube or like. One of your left things. side disabled. Yeah. Something like that. The, mm-hmm. And and if that happened, I thought, then I won't be happy because those things are what make me happy. Being fit, running, jumping, riding my horse. That's what makes me happy. Yeah. And if it's gone, who will I be? Yeah. But I realized as I sat there through the pain that I could actually choose joy in the moment, no matter what was happening. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that joy was a choice and happiness was a choice then there was nothing left to be afraid of because it didn't matter how bad life got or whether this worked or not, or whether I ever became healed, I could still have joy. And if that's all I was afraid of losing, then there's nothing left to be afraid of. And like that just melted the last of the fear and the healing just kept coming. And, you know, I'm maybe not the smartest crayon in the box because I went back for another MRI six months later. (laughs) And at that point, my body is glorious, functioning fully. Everything is back. Muscles that they said would never return are back and stronger than ever. Amazing. But I want certainty. I think that that's the most important thing in life to never have to ever think about brain tumor again. And if some doctor can just chisel this thing out of me, I will be good. Yeah even though it's no longer affecting my life. And for all we know, it's gone. Yeah. But I go back and find this surgeon who says, yeah, this is no big deal. I can help you. I've worked in this particular area a lot of times. It'll be pretty low risk, just maybe a little bit of like nerve damage on your jaw and come back in three months. We'll do the surgery. So here I go thinking I'm finally going to resolve this in the the physical world. The last part of it is ready to go ready to go. And I show up three months later for this surgery and they've got me prepped on the operating table. The anesthesiologist. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. That's a hard word. Mm -hmm. I can't even spell it. I I apologize (laughs) to all of them out there, (laughs) but they're there ready to put me under. 
And the doctor comes walking in carrying my MRIs and he looks at it and he goes, I can't do this surgery. I changed my mind. And he says, the, the risks are way high. It could put you in a, in a feeding tube or in a wheelchair. And I can't do that to an otherwise totally healthy person. So it doesn't matter what your scans say. I won't operate on you unless your symptoms are also like back to what they were. What? That's yeah. What I mean, like, yes. And also like, what? <laughs> uh-huh. First, the what screamed and yelled and like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You couldn't have. You couldn't have looked at my charts like three days ago or three months ago, maybe. Yeah, like I'm here. I'm everything's prepped. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm just taking the time. Under, <laughs> just the time. Who cares if it kills me? Just like I just want to be done. Which is, I'm very grateful. Yeah. That he risked his. So to- amazing, and also like, like of course, when we all want a doctor who's actually like, <laughs> no, actually, I could screw this up, so we're not. I mean, like bless him. But I understand like the devastation of like, cause you plan like, okay, tomorrow I'll be healing <laughs> from yeah. the surgery. And now you're like, nope. So, <laughs> so what happened next? So I finally realized that if, if they don't care what the paper says, I have no reason at all to care what the paper says. And they want me to come back every six months and do like a watch and wait. And I was like, oh, heck no. I, my faith has grown, but I don't think it's grown quite enough for me to come back every six months and be scared to death again and then have to recover. So I am drawing the battle lines. I'm taking a stand. I'm doing what I should have done a year and a half ago, which is say, Lord, you have healed me. And I trust that. And I'm just going to walk the rest of the way into it. And so when I stop like worrying about finally having some surgeon take the remnants out, the last of my symptoms faded away and I haven't been back in five years. Wow. And you've been symptom free. Yep. Our minds are so freaking powerful. Like, and by the way, y'all, I'm not saying like, don't go to your Western medicine and get things checked out. Like, please. (laughs) No, me neither. There's a combination here of like massive faith in like what you're capable of. And also, um, and also having things looked at. And if these doctors had other things to say where they could actually fix it without damaging you, then you would have done that. But that (laughs) wasn't, that's not possible in your situation. I have a cousin who has, um, a couple tumors and like they're there and they actually affect him in a not so fun way, but like you can keep going and that's what you've done. And I, you make me think of, um, I think it's episode three with Amy Ledeen, you know, she's had been diagnosed with stage four cancer like four times now and she keeps she has her faith she does the work and then she also looks for evidence of people who have survived what Mm -hmm. she's doing she looks for anything like proof that it's possible to survive like she had friends who were always looking out why did i get this why this happened to me and they kept looking for the answer of why and she focused only on that there's a future for her and, um, and she has survived many times over and the people that were always searching for the why have passed from the cancer. So it is powerful. Yeah. That is the ultimate be it till you see it because it's your life and you're still doing it today. And I mean, I'm so glad that you're healthy and well. And, and also like, I think even on a, even if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have a brain tumor, but I've got this pain here. It's like, it's not about telling yourself something that's not true, but it's about believing in the power that you have. And seeing how, you, mm-hmm. how much can your mind 
mindset support your health. Yeah. Oh, I just think we outsource a lot of our health to to getting that certainty and we forget that we actually have a, a, a bit of a, a role in it that we could play. A big one. I love what you said about Amy. I know her. And that collecting evidence is so important. And that's what my friend challenged me to do is like, stop looking at all of the things that didn't work and focus on what did and collect that evidence. That's what you need to focus on. And, and people, there were some people who would say, Johanna, you just need to accept this. You just need to like brace yourself for the worst. Mm -hmm. To what end? If I do that, I will definitely die and I will definitely remain broken. But if I focus on ways that it can work, ways that I can be healed and speak that out, there's a really good chance I'm going to be. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it's going to be working too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think what I learned the most was what you believe matters, mm -hmm. but what you do about what you believe matters even more. So that's why it matters to be it till you see it, because it's not enough to just, whether it's health, believe that you can be healed, but take no steps, speak nothing out, do no actions, tell no one. It's not enough to, for me with my business, to, to believe that I could be so much more than I was. I could help so many more people than I was. I could work at such a greater level than I was. I had to step towards it and become that in order for like I had it wasn't enough to believe it I had to do something about what I believed yeah and and that's why I started designed by Joe like shortly after the diagnosis I looked around and saw just hopelessness and if I didn't know how much time I had left I was definitely not going out like this yeah. not going out leaving all of my potential on the table having never tried but more importantly I needed to believe that there was a Johanna on the other side of this diagnosis, she was healthy, she was strong, she was successful. And I couldn't wait two or three years in a pool of uncertainty to then recover from that and then try to go be successful. I needed to start something right now that was the future Johanna's success. Yeah. So I started Design by Joe and it didn't take off super fast, one, because I was dealing with a brain tumor, but but two, there was just so much more for me to learn and so many things. If I knew this about business when I started, I would be way further along than I am now. Yeah, I think like, well, thank you. First of all, thank you for sharing your whole entire story. And also thank you for sharing <laughs> that it, it, you know, there was a little bit of a learning curve in that because I think people will go, okay, y'all, I, I believe it and I'm taking action and it's not. I'm not getting the client yet, or I'm not getting the thing yet, or I'm not getting this. It's like, yeah, but it's like, it's a practice. It's a muscle. The being, it's a muscle. Yeah. The taking action's a muscle. And those ups and downs, like you, I want to go back to the beginning of the, of the pod when you mentioned like you got a lot of no's, but then you got yep. better yeses. And like those no's teach us so much more about how we can be it till we see it and the actions that we can take and how we put ourselves out there. Brad has a course called 200, like, um, 200 rejections uh, to success because he's like the go for 200 no's but for <laughs> sure by the time you hit 200 you probably have a full clientele <laughs> like you probably do because so um, we have a mutual friend named Renee who has who I'll have on the pod soon who had 100 rejections on her book proposal but she got one and it's <laughs> with the best person so um, oh, I Johanna I could talk to you forever 
um, our coffee chats do always go over. <laughs> um, so we'll have to do this. We'll have to have you come back, I'm, I'm sure. But um, before, we're going to take a brief break, find out where people can find you, follow you, work with you, and then also your beat action items. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the past three years, We've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed with water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel totally energized and it makes me feel like I'm doing something healthy for myself. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. Yeah, and you're probably wondering, like, how can you actually do it? No exceptions. I know you guys travel all the time. You've got a lot going on. You're running three businesses. Here's the deal. It's because it's that simple. So when we're at home, after I walk by own, and sometimes August, because sometimes he comes, I open up the fridge. I pull out the dog sweat food and the AG1. I pour my AG1. And if Brad's up, I'll pour his too. And then I give the dogs their food. And we have this morning breakfast with all of our nourishing vitamins and minerals that we need to kickstart our day together as a family. But when we're traveling... What I love so much is these travel packs and they make it so easy to make sure that especially on the road when it's the hardest to get nutrition needs met, like it is impossible. I'm constantly like, is there a salad? Is there a bowl? Like, can I add more veggies to this Thai food? But I know because I'm AJ1 in the morning, I am set to go. And it really does make us feel like we're doing things that are healthy for ourselves even when we hit the road. So you cannot make a mistake with AG1. It makes it really easy no matter how busy your life is. Or maybe your life is simple and you're going to add something extra simple to it. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash beit. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. All right, Johanna, where do people get to know you, get to talk to you more, work with you? Well, first you can visit my website, which is designedbyjoestudio.com and just request a free consult. Let's chat about who you are as a personal brand or who you are as a business and where in your life you're, you find yourself just thinking you could be this and not actually being it. Mm -hmm. and how we can help you show up in the world so that the whole world can see it, not just you. So let's talk. You can also find me on social at Designed by Joe Studio, both on Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. We'll put all those in the show notes below. Um, and you're also going to want to tag Joanna and, and the Be It Pod with your takeaways for sure, because we want to know. All right executable, intrinsic target steps people can take to be it till they see it. What do you have for us? Well, they can buy the shoes. So whatever the, <laughs> whatever the shoes represent in your life, figure out who that next you is, how would she act and buy one small thing or one big thing or something to become that now. And a lot of times just taking that action shifts your mind and you become that person. And then they can pay attention to how they are showing up in the world because it's not just you who needs to see it. If you're wanting to be something and you're not that yet, you want the world to be able to see that and know you for it and love you for it as well. So talk, like, look at your brand, whether you are 
a personal brand, you are part of an organization and you're wanting to move up, or you are your own business. Like that is literally what I do is help people become in the world what they have known and seen about themselves in real life. So talk to someone who digs branding, loves branding. It doesn't have to be me, Mm -hmm. but don't be afraid to get some help. Yeah. Because that can be one of the hardest things to discern about yourself and to bring to life. But so many business owners struggle through it on their own and they think, well, you know, branding's not my strong point, but I just got to do what I can and put a bandaid on it. And eventually I will show up in the world as this magnificent human that I am. But what happens is branding is happening all the time, whether Mm -hmm. you do it on purpose or on accident. It's it's either happening by you, you're building those perceptions on purpose, or it's happening to you yeah. by accident. And then what happens is you end up a couple years down the road with the visual brand that's held together by duct tape and band-aids, and it's happened to you by default instead of by design. Yeah. And And you look and you're like, oh, it didn't work. You collect your evidence that you didn't become what you were seeing because you didn't get intentional about it. Yeah. So get intentional about what you want to see and then start collecting that evidence. Like Leslie said earlier. Yeah. I love, I love that evidence collecting. We, um, we make people do it on Fridays. It's fuck yeah Friday. And so you have to, <laughs> you have to celebrate wins on Friday so that if you ever feel like nothing's going right and look back at what you posted last Friday. Oh, actually I had a win last Friday. Oh, actually now that I think about it, I had a win this Friday, but I, I think intentionality is so important. And I got to be honest, like the buy the shoes thing is such a, it's the first time we've had it on the show and it's the best advice because you put your feet in those shoes every day and you will look (laughs) at them where they are and you, it's like the, it's like a physical way of reminding yourself, this is who I'm being right now. So yes to that, that I, you make, I think I might go buy some shoes. (laughs) Do it and don't hide them. Don't hide them in your freaking closet. I actually built a little platform on my dresser for my Louboutins and then, you know, built a little shelf for the first time I got the Louis Vuitton bag that was for a photo shoot and then became the next level. And like, I just wanted to see that woman every time I walk into the room, not just wait till I'm going out. So, oh my gosh, you're such an inspiration. I freaking love that you're in my life. Thank you for being here to share your story with our listeners. Y'all again, how are you going to use these in your life? Tag Johanna, tag the Beat Pod, share this with a friend whether it's a friend who needs to be reminded how to be, be it in their business or in their dreams or in their health, both will, will win after listening to this episode. Thank you for being here, Johanna. And thank you for listening everyone until next time. Be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the be it till you see it podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. The Atelier Seat is a production of Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, produced, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, 
and me, Brad Crowell. Our associate producer is Amanda Fratarelli. Kevin Perez at Desenio handles all of our audio editing. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music and our branding by designer and artist Gianfranco Cioffi. Special thanks to our designer Mesh Herico for creating all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And our digital producer, Jay Pedroso, for editing all the video each week so you can't. And to Angelina Herico for transcribing each episode so you can find it on our website. And finally, to Meredith Kroll for keeping us all on point and on time. Hey loves, it's me, Leslie, and I am excited to talk about socks because we need to talk about socks all the time because I love being barefoot. I am not a fan of shoes. You'll rarely see me in shoes. Even when I have people at my house and they're in shoes, I am barefoot or I'm in my toe socks and Tavi Active socks. And the reason is that I've got tile floors and um, they're not so nice to my feet. So I do love a cute sock. And I also only use their socks when I am doing Pilates. I love that they have an amazing sticky gripness to them. It also, when I'm teaching in other people's studios, having those socks on keeps me from slipping around in a studio and really allows me to root where I'm planted. Plus they're freaking cute. Have you seen toe socks and Tavi's socks? I mean, my goodness, they are the cutest styles all the time. The Barbie socks, I can't get enough of. I think I need to buy three pairs. So here's the deal. I want you to get yourself a pair of toe socks or Tavi Active socks and you can go to beapod.com slash toe socks. That's going to take you over to toe socks. Feel free to explore a Tavi and you can use my discount code Leslie, that's L-E-S-L-E-Y, to make sure you save some money on your socks because the reality is, is you should just get the most amazing, cutest socks and also save some money because you listen to this podcast. So make sure you check those out the next time you are looking for some socks to wear in Pilates, yoga, bar, or around your house like I do. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.